Welcome to another episode of, um, before we get to today's episode, um, episode three, Greg Schmidt, um, one of my best buddies in the world. We haven't seen each other other, other than the pod and over a decade, but you're like my brother, man. I love you. And uh, <laughs> Greg and Sarah, last Saturday, April 17th, uh, lost their oldest son, Dax and Schmidt. Um, he was... <sighs> I'm not sure what to say um, other than I love you guys. And if there's anything I could do on my end, uh, please let me know. Um, I can't imagine what you're going through. Um, I met Dax in back in Beatingheim and uh, he was about 13 years old and he's just a little beauty, fluent in German, English, perfect grades, whether he's in Germany or Canada. Um, and uh, Sarah, Greg, you guys are two of our closest friends. You showed us the ropes in Europe, and I can't imagine what you're going through. Um, so I, I just, I don't know what, yeah, I, I loved you guys. And if there's anything I can do, please let me know. Um, and uh, everybody in that beating hype Steelers family loves you guys. We all miss you. And, uh, we're sending our love and support uh, to you guys. Um, and uh, yeah, there's the real world stuff. Um, here's another episode. Welcome to another episode of Two Ales at Hockey Tales with Wally. And today, I am so excited to have on a 38-year-old from Toronto, Ontario, a fifth-round draft pick of the Florida Panthers, his hockey Journey took him to Canada, the USA, Germany, Finland, Austria, and Italy. He's a fan favorite of the Florida Everblades and the Ingolstadt, whatever they're called in the DEL. He had 31 tours that year or goals um, in 2007-8 in the DEL. He's a, now a shooting star in the coaching world, and I believe he's coaching the Toronto Junior Canadians. Welcome to the podcast, Vince Bellissimo. How are you today? I'm Gray Wally. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I'm a big fan of your podcast. So uh, good job getting it started. And uh, it's been fun to listen to and I'm and I'm glad to be on. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Buddy, I you know what it meant a lot to me like we hadn't talked since our I think it was we had dinner in Germany. Um, when we that first year, we were both over there, which we'll get into but that would have been about 2007. I don't think we've had really talked since. And after I sent out either the first or second episode, I got an email from you saying I was doing a good job and to keep it going. And I thought, man, this means so much to me that a guy I haven't talked to in that long, like thought to reach out to me, man. It just, it, it is what really drove me to get this thing going was like you reaching out right at the start and like being like, yeah, you are doing something that's good. So thank you very much, man. Well, you're welcome, Molly. It's perfect for you, this whole gig. I mean, it's the kind of guy you worry. You're a great guy in the locker room, always uh, fun to be around, easy to talk to, laugh with. And uh, so this kind of gig fits you. Well, I, I, it definitely does. I, I, I feel like I, I get so excited every day I get to record with someone. The day I get to record with someone is way more fun than all the other stuff you have to do 
ugh, posting stuff and doing this is what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. And that dinner, that dinner we had in Germany was, uh, that was a nice night too. I, I came, I, I came out there. I watched you play. Um, I don't remember Lansu. who it was, but yeah, you were playing for Lansu. You won three, two, you scored the winner on a five on three. I still remember that. And, uh, really? we had uh, late dinner over at your house with Lisa afterwards. And, uh, did some catching up. That was a lot of fun. Last time I'd seen you was in the playoff series. We had in Dayton. I know we're going to cover that later too, but, uh, that was a good night we had in Germany. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, how we know each other, um, is the next thing I wrote down, which we covered a few of those, the Florida Dayton series, which was one of the best hockey series I've ever been a part of, uh, the dinner in Germany, and then you reaching out to me and then also that we had played together for three seasons at Western Michigan. Yeah. And, uh, it's funny about six months ago, my dad and I were chit chatting, talking a little bit of hockey, uh, which we don't always do, but we were talking one night and talking about some of the great players that I played with and your name came up and, uh, we were just kind of, uh, took a moment there to admire the way you played at your size, especially being a smaller guy. And uh, you could just flat out play. And then, my, you know, uh, it was kind of, and then, then you come out with the podcast uh, a few months later and uh, here we are. Yeah, man. I, uh, well, thank you. Uh, I, I was always a fan of yours, especially when you're in Florida. God, you got the crowd excited. Every time you got the puck, it was pretty cool. <laughs> was uh, great, it was a great place to play. Yeah. Yeah, man. I couldn't believe it. We'll get into that. We're not there yet, but uh Thank you. And yeah, like the podcast, I, I, I struggled with where I fit in with the hockey world. Now I really struggled with it and I had a really hard time letting go of the game and the game had a hard time letting go of me with like, um, playing for the Ripley wolves voluntarily, um, and then getting a Wally night and like everything just kept pulling me back towards the game and I couldn't figure out where I fit. And this is it, man. I figured it out. This is it. This is where I fit. <laughs> yeah. And on top of that, you got Colby who's now playing and, uh, we all know he, we all know he's going to be a good player. Um, and, uh, you're going to get it. You'll get your fix uh, that way too, for sure. Oh yeah. No, I loved, I loved coaching. And actually that, uh, actually, why don't we talk about that now? Cause that's what, what are you doing now and where are you? I'm in, uh, we live in uh, Nobleton, which is uh, about 30, 35 minutes north of Toronto. Uh, we have a, a family steel business that I work at. Um, and on top of that, I'm a, I'm a head coach in junior A. I've been, uh, been coaching for 10 years. I uh, started in kind of AAA by accident. And uh, here we are 10 years later, still doing it now at the junior level and, and uh, having a lot of fun with that, uh, with the junior Canadians prior to that coaching the Aurora Tigers and um, prior to that five, six years in BHL. So still getting my fix of hockey, uh, to say the least, for sure. And I, I love it. I enjoy doing it. And there's been a ton of experience. I'm sure we're going to uh, touch on a few guys uh, on some of the different teams, but it's been really rewarding for me and uh, still learning about the game every day as a coach and enjoying it. That's part of being a, trying to be a good coach. Yeah, for sure. I, I heard you were back in the game. Yeah, it was a, a few years ago, actually, I was trying to help a kid get a scholarship and your name came up about where he might play to get one. But um, no, I think that was right. Aurora. But um, anyways, um, I love it too, man. Like, 
for me, it's, I do it voluntarily. I do it with Colby because I want to spend time with him and uh, I get my fix of hockey, but I also get to teach the kids like what it should be like and like, and it should be fun. And uh, you got to know you got each other's backs when you're on a team. Right. And that's the type of stuff I try to teach them at a young age. Yeah. And then as they get older, uh, your experience becomes, so that's, that's at the, at the core, that's, those are the principles that'll always stick fun and hard work. And then as you get older, your experiences will mean a lot more uh, than, than just that. You can add in a lot of different areas and categories and uh, use your experiences to help Colby and his buddies. And that's kind of just basically what I do, you know, uh, kind of got into it by accident. Uh, I uh, came out of pro and was, was working, uh, or, you know, working a normal job. And then uh, um, I got a phone call to, to go help out as an assistant coach with the 97 Toronto Red Wings. So just kind of come out, uh, you know, work with the forwards and uh, just kind of get, you know, see if I enjoyed it, get involved. I uh, end up doing that. And as I'm doing that, uh, that was a Bantam team. The minor peewee coach ended up getting fired like midway through the year. It was the last place team. So they kind of, uh, you know, they got some good feedback from the, from the people on the Bantam team and they ended up asking me to coach that minor peewee team, which again was tied for last place. And halfway through the year, we ended up finishing eighth, making the playoffs. And then, um, you know, the next year we finished in sixth and then fourth. And then, um, you know, in Bantam, we were tied for first uh, and minor midget, you know, we had one of the top top teams in Canada. Can I ask a question? You said in minor peewee, the coach got these guys were in minor peewee. They got, they got fired. Yeah, fired. So like the coach got fired. So like I'm just, whew, I don't know if I'd be able to handle that minor well, peewee. Um, there's a lot of different coach. things that could, a lot of things that could happen. While a guy might not be, uh, he not be, might not be in attendance a, a lot. You know, he may have different issues or vices away from the game. You know, it's not. You know, in every age group, there's three or four teams that aren't very good. You know, not everybody gets fired. It, a lot of times at those ages, it may be something off the ice, right? Or or the handling of a player. So I, I think it was something along those lines. I don't know exactly, but uh, that's you. how I got I kind of got my start that way, just kind of by accident. My brother, my youngest brother, Andrew, coached with me for five years. We did it together. And, uh, you know, by minor midget, we had uh, arguably, a, a top, you know, definitely had a top team in Canada. And uh OHL picks, uh, which was like a record. Um, How seven, many? Fourteen. Wow. OHL picks. We had seven seven guys from our Bantam and minor midget team end up with uh, scholarships. And um, you you brought them up from puppies. Yeah, a, a good a good majority of them because I wasn't a big turnover guy. I, I try to keep the same guys in place over the five years. You're gonna have a few changes every year, obviously, but yeah, I kind of stuck to that principle and. And two NHL picks out of that program as well. Uh, one guy's already played in the NHL. We got three guys, two guys in the AHL. So it was good. It was good. And then, then from there, I went to junior, and uh, uh, you know, worked with the Aurora Tigers and Jim Thompson, a former NHLer, uh, gave me an opportunity along with his uh, general manager Dermot Anderson, um, and I got my foot in the door in junior hockey. And that was a great place to coach. Great team to have. Uh, we finished first in the conference, end up losing the conference finals uh, to a team that lost in the Royal Bank finals. And uh, from there, I moved over to JRC and have been there for three years now. It's been uh, it's been real, real good. And JRC and, uh, have a lot of fun. 
Yeah, Toronto Junior Canadians. Okay. And now here's um, here's my big question for you. When you were coaching minor hockey, that like you got paid? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you're doing a good job, and I mean, a lot of the guys are getting paid. There's no doubts. Uh, if you could do a good job and add actual value, um, you know, you, you you know, you're gonna get paid. You're gonna you're gonna do well in the GTA GTA. You know, that's uh, it'll be worth your time. You know, but at the end of the day, uh, the the best coaches are gonna go above and beyond whatever the pay uh, whatever the pay grade is. That's kind of what I try to do. You don't really do it for the money at those ages. Well, and if you had that many kids succeed and that many kids get drafted to the OHL, that's an insane amount for one team, 14 kids. And you, so which kids already played the NHL? So I had Barrett Hayton, uh, uh, who was the fifth overall pick with uh, Arizona. Captain uh, of the world junior team, right? Yeah. World junior captain. Who's uh, uh, yeah. Signed with Arizona, obviously being the fifth overall pick. He's played in the league and uh, he's now in the American league. Uh, he's trying to find his way a little bit there at, at the moment. Uh, we also had Anthony uh, Anthony Romano, another great player who was a fifth or sixth rounder with Arizona, who's at Clarkson right now. Uh, we had uh, Elijah Gonzalez, uh, who's at RIT, is going to be an NHL free agent signing in the next couple of years. Um, you know, Evan McIntyre is at Ohio State. Uh, Luke Moncada was a five-year player for me who's, uh, who's with Columbus's farm club in Cleveland. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. Like I said, bunch of kids in the O, you know, it's gotta be 10 for sure. And then, you know, six or seven, the NCAA and a couple NHL picks. So these guys are still young. It was a 2000 age group. And those guys are still 20 years old, you know, so they've got a long way to go and, and careers ahead of them. Um, but I, you know, I took a lot of them when they were 10, you know, 10 years old, 10 to what's minor, uh, 15. It, 10 to 15. Those are big years, man. And you took all those players through that. Holy yeah. cow, dude. Now I'm starting to get it. So now that, yeah. So now you're coaching the, the, what'd you call them? Yeah. So the Toronto junior Canadians. So last year, TJC. Excuse me, last year was the COVID year. The JRC Toronto JRC JRC short form for junior Canadians. Um, okay. And la so last year was COVID. The year prior was my first year with them. Um, we uh, we set the uh, franchise record for uh, points in the regular season. Uh, finished first in the conference, I believe. Uh, and we, yeah, so we set a wins record and points record. We end up losing the first round, which still sticks sticks with us right now. We're working, uh, we're working to get better in that regard. Uh, but it's been a great program, moving tons of guys on to the NCAA. Um, I get to work with uh, phenomenal staff, really close friends of mine, uh, you know, and we've got great ownership. Um, Joel Feldberg, Jeff Bly, great owners. Blake Ricci's my GM and friend. Uh, we work together closely every day, and he's a lot of fun. Uh, Rick Veroni, director of hockey ops, a phenomenal guy. Uh, Zach Bell, five-year OHL guy, is my assistant, uh, assistant D coach. John Luciani who's been working with me for four years. And then lastly, uh, Mike Durazio, another five-year uh, OHL guy on our staff. Um, and even Bra even Brandon Lustig, analytics guy who who was worked with. Hold uh, on, hold who, on. Yeah, yeah, for junior, junior yeah. you got an analytics guy? Yeah, we were pretty heavy with the analytics. I mean, we, we, uh, we've got a ton of data. We get an 11-page report every game um, and we put it to use. 
Uh, you know, we're not solely analytics, but we do build it in and incorporate it. And it's very valuable to us. Say hey, Brandon Lustig's worked with, I believe he worked with the Cleveland Browns or the, was it the Argos or both? And uh, uh, he's, he works with UFT as well. So sorry. So this, this is just for junior hockey nowadays. This is junior A. Yeah. Um, like, cause we the, put a lot, of, you know, we put a lot into it, you know? No, that's, uh, that's crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. that's wild. Like that's nothing like when I played for the Elmira Sugar Kings, <laughs> or 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 when I played in the old way, right? The things have evolved, and uh, again, we put a lot into it. We go above and beyond for our players, and uh, you know, we kind of uh, we're trying to find our way still, um, but we've had some success too. So what what was like? You obviously only were there one year, so what's it been like then since with all this crap going on? Yeah, this year. So this year was like extremely, extremely unfortunate. We had, uh, we had Ryan Teverberg, who's a, a draft pick with the Maple Leaf slated to return to us. Um, we had, uh, you know, we probably had a top, uh, I want to be careful what I say here, but we had a high, high end team, you know, not with, we're comparing ourselves to the top teams nationally, we would have been right there this year. Um, so COVID really kind of, uh, you know, kind of took a lot away from our players. It was unfortunate. We didn't get to play any games. Um, and we, you know, we lost, uh, we, we lost out on a lot this year, but we back, uh, we'll be back strong next year and ready to compete. And so when you're coaching that, what's the age group like nowadays? Is it mainly guys trying to get NCAA or is there still some guys that are young enough to be before major junior? Oh, in the OJHL, it's guys predominantly trying to uh, get to the NCAA. Um, there's also guys that will spend a year in our league and go to the O that have already been drafted. So they'll spend a year with us and, and move on to that avenue. And, and you know, there's uh, those two different avenues are, are both good. And um, it just depends on the guy and kind of what, what he's looking for and which way he wants to go. I will say JRC has had an NHL pick the last three seasons. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, there's guys in the OJ on the draft list every year and specifically with JRC, we've, uh, been fortunate to have three NHL picks last three years. Sundays at Scotiabank arena, there'd be 10 or 12 teams some nights, uh, from the, the, the national hockey league, depending on who you're playing. So, you know, as a coach, that's pretty exciting, you know, it's exciting as well to be involved with that. Scotiabank arena. <laughs> what do you mean? You playing yeah. in the Leafs arena? No, so I should have. Sorry, I meant Scotiabank Pond. Uh, there's two. Uh, Scotiabank Pond is a central arena in Toronto where a lot of the big GTHL games happen. It also doubles as our home rink. Uh, it's a great rink. Um, and it's different from Scotiabank Arena where the Leafs play. I, but they're both called Scotiabank. Oh, okay. Yeah, this this is a global podcast. We don't know yeah. the GTHL very well. <laughs> oh, no, it's a great rink, though. You'll find. Uh, you know, you Google it, you find a ton of NHL guys come through that ring for sure. Oh, that's cool. Um, okay. Is there anything else about coaching? Because obviously, you, I, I think it's great that you're this passionate about coaching. The only thing I'm a little concerned about <clears throat> is how many hours you might be putting into the family steel business if you're this into coaching now. Yeah, so I have flexibility, Wally, and during the winter, I mean, uh, coaching's full-time to say the least, especially if you want to do a good job at it. So I'm fortunate where I've got some flexibility in the wintertime, and uh, I take full advantage of that and kind of, uh, you know, kind of maneuver some things when I need to. 
um, because I do want to coach in the, you know, I want to coach at the next level. I'd love to coach in the Ontario Hockey League. Um, you know, if I can continue to, uh, you know, be a big part of JRC and continue to build there, maybe I'll have an opportunity in the near future. So that's the goal. But, uh, you know, of course, uh, the family business uh, at times uh, isn't there to take a backseat either. So I've got uh, going to do along with two kids and uh, my wife, Tanya. So it uh, can, be, can be busy at times for sure. Yeah, no, man, I, I can tell you got the passion and the drive to make it, man. And I, I know the passion and drive you had as a player. And, man, if you're doing this well at it, man, who knows where you could take it because I saw your passion and your drive as a player, like I said. And, and if you have – I can see it. I can see it in your eyes. I can see the way when you talk about these players you've had, where they're going and, like – I can just, I can, I can feel it when you talk about it, that, that you have that drive about being a coach, right? Yeah, I love it. Like I said, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I will say as a coach, I'm a lot more patient, right? There were times as a player, as I'm sure, you know, I didn't have enough patience, um, at various stages, depending on how things were going, um, and definitely learn from that. As a coach, I've got all the patience in the world. You know, I'm happy with uh, JRC. I'd love to, like I said, get to the L. But, uh, um, you know, just kind of live in the moment and uh, you know, work towards what happens. Yeah, well, and you continue to learn with whatever you're doing, right? Well, I, learn, every, learn every day. Yeah, I continue to learn with my day job, too. And, uh, man, I'm happy. I'm happy you're passionate about it. I'm happy you got into it and you found what you want to do. Um, that's what it's all about. Cause, uh, I found like, I, I love coaching phase three for the concard U nine Canucks, uh, team too. Um, but I also love doing this. So there, you know, I'm happy too. So I, I it's all good, man. Right. That's good, Wally. And I think you, you, I think you'd be a great coach. Uh, start at the younger ages. You got Colby there. You, you, it sounds like you're going to be driving to the rink, anyways. So. Yeah, no, I'm into it. I, I won't lie to you. I'm into it. And then once I realized, I was like, well, why wouldn't I be the one to do this? Be like, I don't want to be yeah. his coach the whole way up because I think everybody needs different bosses and different people in charge of them and people telling them what to do. But right. there'll be some ages where, like, I'm really going to want to jump in there and be like, okay, <laughs> let me at this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, uh, and you know what? You get that, uh, that old adrenaline starts kicking in for some big games. It doesn't, uh, it does, it's a different adrenaline. It doesn't compare to some of the feeling you get as a player. Like, yeah. I remember some games just let you, it's like you're levitating uh, on, in some, even, you know, some nights as a player, but. Uh, you don't quite get that as a coach, but you get something along those lines. And uh, it kind of brings back uh, those feelings, which are, which are positive. Right? Well, you know what it, it's what it's more like is uh, you're proud of them, right? It's different. You're more like a dad. You're like you're proud of them. When they do stuff, you're proud of them because like you work at it together. And then when you see them actually do it, especially at the age my kids are at, that I'm teaching, like when you see them actually do it and you can see how happy these kid, little kids are that they could do it. Like pull, I'm teaching them how to pull the puck between their legs and stuff. And, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then when they do it, you can see like how happy they are. It's, it's pretty cool. You get proud. You know it's, you're like a dad, right? You're not like a player where you're the kid. You're the dad now. Of course. 
And uh, hopefully uh, you teach them a one-timer you had one. Ah, uh, we haven't got into that that uh, lesson. Yeah, we're yet. not there yet. No, we'll get because there. I'm not sure if I can take a slap shot anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I never took oh, a slap no. shot in practice for the last six years of my career, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think Western Michigan wore me out with some all those. All, all those one-timers. Yeah. Okay. We got to get into I wanna, it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's we, get to that. Okay. Yeah. We've been into coaching for far too long because I know your passion, Bo, but we got to move on because there was a time because I got random questions now before we get into where it starts is stretch wants to know why in college you did not use a wallet. You always had to have your money in a gangster role in uh in a like a rubber elastic you just have a wad of cash instead of a wallet that's what stretch wants to know wad might have been a little bit of a stretch there wally i don't remember i, I don't remember walking around with wads in college but uh rubber band guy you know what i can still uh i can i still get the rubber band going from time to time it's easier right you start Is flipping it? out a wallet you got a visas falling gas cards it could be a little messy, right? You just go with the rubber band. It keeps everything neat and tidy, right? And the, well, the gas card stays in the glove compartment, buddy. See, okay. So you explained it. That's all I needed to know. I, I've never done the elastic band. Never tried it. See? Give it a try. Stretch, you know, stretch would ask something like that. But you know what? I miss stretch. I know. We all do. But you know what? I don't leave the house, so I, I don't need stretch. the rubber band. I don't need anything. Okay. No, we don't. Nobody leaving the house these days. But Okay. Here's another stretch question. Okay. Do you recall that um, you would run home from the bar at Western Michigan? Could you explain to the crowd why you would run home? Stretch gave me his answer. Do you know why? I don't remember that Stretch. Uh, specifically, but I, I'm not. I, I'm not saying that didn't happen. I just don't remember. Okay, that's fine. Stretch says that you you ran home from the bar at. I'm assuming at least once um, and said you had to work off the calories you had drank that night. <laughs> so you had to run. Really? Home. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I was. Yeah. Well, that could have been, that could, that could have been a thing. I remember a couple of midnight skates going to the rink for that. So that wouldn't, uh, the, the so, running sorry, home from the bar could have happened. You, you went, sorry, what? There were a couple of times where actually, I think a lot of us would jump on the ice at midnight, like on random nights. Just actually, I rem think I remember, remember hearing that? you did that. I remember hearing you yeah, did that. I, I never that did lot. Is that right? No, you should. I don't, I'm not sure exactly, but yeah, we, this, uh, this we, is the passion and drive I'm talking about as a coach. Yeah, uh, now, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know what, now that we're on this topic, I spent a lot of nights sleeping in the dressing room on the couch. That's another maybe unknown fact watching video um actually you didn't, you didn't I, know that no actually I, now that you say that i did know that but i like kind of blocked it out because i didn't want to believe yeah it. <laughs> yeah wake up in the morning just you're right there because we used to practice in the morning the, the one year at uh, was it 8 a.m and uh quick shower brush the teeth you're in your stall right so you slept at the rink instead of the dorms because they they weren't very nice either <laughs> <Not were they>? Oh yeah, from time to time it was, uh, you know, if, uh, depending on uh, what, how much video I was watching or whatever. But yeah, you know, I just do some off the cuff stuff. So I'm glad uh, I'm glad Stretch bringing it up because I forgot about a lot of this stuff. 
Okay. Well, that those were his two questions. Yeah. Um, but you're the one that brought up sleeping on the couch and watching video. That was you. That wasn't stretch. No, and, that was me. Yeah. Um, and I used to hate watching video. I hated watching video myself because then I'd see my mistakes and I hated it. And you know what? It's way easier watching video than playing the actual flipping game. So yeah. anyways, do you remember a, not a Chipotle, as we discussed earlier today, but a Qdoba burrito eating competition? I believe you battled yourself in a do or die um, burrito. Three burrito, the three burrito challenge. Was that what it was? You tried to eat. It was at Qdoba. It was at Qdoba, and I still tell the story. Uh, and I think it was Reed Yancey, who I don't remember. I I don't know if you remember this, but those coupons we used to get in the game day packages. How could you to get half? Every half program, every program that was sold at the game had a buy one get one free, and there would be boxes that weren't sold, and we would get the boxes, and we ate so much. Qdoba. I almost said Chipotle. Qdoba. That, like, our bodies changed because of those coupons. So I think the argument was who loved it the most, right? And there was four or five of us there. And uh, me and Reed were going toe-to-toe on who loved it the most. And then that's where the uh, three burrito challenge was born. And we couldn't do it that day because I wasn't mentally prepared. But the challenge was uh, if I could eat three burritos at Qdoba in one kind of day or sitting or whatever. And we had a workout that night. I don't know if you remember. Went straight from there to the workout. And uh, a long story short, I, I only got through two and a quarter. And I I was pretty close to throwing up. And uh, uh, we, we went straight to the gym from that. And that was a tough, uh, that was a tough day getting through. Uh, def- I lost the bet, I think. You know, we may have uh, wagered something. Uh, did, did you make it through that. two and a half? Yeah, it was two and something. Two and yeah, something. But you I did, you didn't make it. I did you, not you, get no. no, no. They were the, <laughs> they were fully loaded too. They had the queso. We had uh, a little bit of everything going. <laughs> yeah, that was just a bunch of Canadian boys that had never had that before, right? And uh, we didn't have anything like that really around Canada right. when we first went there the Mexican grills. And uh, we really got after it, especially with the buy one, get one free. Those, yeah. uh, those programs were key to our success. Those four years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, we talked about where you're doing now. Uh, next question, because it was part of where are you doing and what are you doing now is how many kids you got? Two kids. So uh, Sophia was born in 2013. She's going to be eight in a couple of weeks um she's big into dance good in school um great daughter and uh nicholas is five gonna be six in july uh born in 2015 plays hockey you know loves it enjoys it i love bringing him to the rink and just kind of getting them dressed let him run out there and i get to just watch i don't have to you know i'm not definitely not playing or coaching i can just sit there and watch him skate around and that's been a lot of fun. He seems to take a liking to it. He's pretty good at it so far. So we'll see where uh, where that takes him. Okay. That was part of what are you doing now? So then the next question is, uh, so you probably grew up in the GTHL too, which is the Greater Toronto Hockey League for all the, the global listeners. Um, you probably grew up in the same thing you're coaching now, right? 
the same thing. Yeah, I coach junior now, but I grew up, I started coaching. Sorry, the right. Back then was the MTHL. And uh, I played for, uh, you know, played for the Marlies, Red Wings, uh, the Bond Kings. Uh, and I ended up going down to double A actually uh, for a year in between. Uh, um, I was kind of a December born kid. Uh, I was kind of behind on my, on my growth and ended up going down to double A. But Bantam, I played for the Rebels and uh, from there I went to junior A. Um, okay. Next question is you said you played for like three different teams in there, the Cana- Canadians, Marlboros, like why do guys in Toronto switch teams? Like why is it more like junior right from the start where you're just trying to assemble the best team each year? Yeah. So back when I was playing, I, you know, I, I don't like, for me, I was a smaller guy. I was always kind of, you know, I was really good when I was young, but I was a bit of an underdog because I just didn't, you know, I didn't grow. I always had facing different challenges coming up. So I, I bounced around a little bit. Um, you know, nowadays, I think one of the reasons my, my program was really successful is we stuck to a core guys and tried to minimize the turnover. Um, and that, that served us real well in the long run. And for other programs, Wally, they don't necessarily abide by that, whether it's players jumping around for various reasons or coaches kind of, uh, making small upgrades or kind of lateral moves, which you want to avoid. That stuff does happen a lot. And I don't think it's very good for, for kids hockey. And I uh, definitely steered to clear that. So, yeah, that makes I, sense. I see where you're getting at. Yeah. No, I just, I remember hearing it from Doug Clarkson, who was on another episode and he was saying he switched teams a bunch and like where we live, like you're literally not allowed to One change team. teams. Yeah. You, that, yeah, that, yeah. That's the only team you're allowed to be on. And if you tried to, change teams it would be like you got to get a different like mailbox and whatever yeah people there's do. 12 so there are 12 teams in the league 12 coaches uh you know guys go crazy recruiting and uh it's kind of uh you know it's not my favorite part about the gthl uh that in that regard there's a lot of great things about the league though as well uh like i said with my clubs that i coached minimal turnover try to keep the same bodies in place and develop our own guys and it worked okay I agree with what you're doing. I think that's the only way to do hockey. But anyways, moving on. Um, I know, I think we got to start going a little quicker here is the USA. No, 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 it's not your fault. It's my, it's, it's, it's just that we're grooving. And uh, you know what? You, you're a two episode guy. You got too much going on with the coaching and the playing. We got got a lot of stories to tell here. We haven't even got into your playing yet, dude. Um, Yes. So here we go. I want to know if you're a Canadian kid, you're in the the GTA or whatever it's right. I wasn't in that, so I don't really know yep. what it's called, but you were one of the first ones, I think, to go to the USHL as a Canadian kid. And you end up actually getting drafted out of the USHL. And then all of a sudden there's people trying to get to the USHL and the USHL has become a powerhouse, right? USHL is a very, very good league. Uh, if you look at the NHL draft numbers, uh, you know, they're the last few years, they're at the top uh, in all the junior leagues in North America. And, um, so it's funny you bring that up. There was a, we were on a league call uh, a few months ago and there was some talk about players leaving for the USHL too early, which is kind of, 
you know, or trying to leave too early, which is kind of uh, at times what could happen now. But yeah, I kind of, it came up on the lead call that I uh, was the guy that kind of started that trend. In my defense, I had uh, 98 points in the OJ before, uh, you know, moving on to the, you know, to another uh, league, whereas, uh, you know, guys may try and leave with, uh, you know, a point of game or, or stuff like that now, which, you know, they should make sure they're, they're fully developed before they move on. Um, but yeah, I came up on a lead call there uh, uh, a few months ago, but I will say I, 98 points kind of, it's time to move on maybe. And uh, St. Mike's, I played at St. Mike's was a great place to play junior. My first year in Caledon, two years at St. Mike's for Chris DePero, a great coach um, who, who I still keep in contact with. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of moved on after that as a 19, you know, an 18 year old. Um, and I thought it was the right time. Yeah. Okay. So you actually get drafted though, which is probably weird that you're that age in the, not even NCAA yet. And then you're actually getting drafted. So you must've had a hell of a year and then you get recruited by Western Michigan and I got to go pee. So you're gonna have to tell that story for a bit. Yep. Yeah. So I was at St. Mike's, like I said, I, I got recruited out of St. Mike's by uh, Western Michigan, uh, Chris Brooks and Scott Garrell. Uh, two fantastic assistant coaches uh, after a lot of schools passed on me uh, kind of gave me an opportunity uh, and uh, you know I end up accepting the scholarship out of St. Mike's and then uh, from there I, I moved on to the USHL uh, and played for Blitz Littler the Topeka Scarecrow so um, yeah were you still talking? Yeah, so I played for Bliss Littler with uh, with Topeka after a couple of years at St. Mike's there, three years in the OJ. Um, and yeah, so that I did get drafted that year, Wally. I was uh, I was actually uh, I was ranked in the second round, ended up going the fifth. The draft was in Toronto, so I was really special. I had my whole family there. Was that uh, your draft year? Or was that the second no, year? No, so that was so I'm December '82. So my draft year would have been with the 83s. I didn't even get drafted that year. Um, I got some looks that year at St. Mike's, I remember. But you got drafted with the 84s as an 82. 84s as a December 82. So really, it's only one year late. And, uh, yeah, I went to USHL I, uh, with a franchise, uh, excuse me, uh, expansion team in Topeka. Uh, I had a big year. Like, I scored, uh, scored 37. Uh, second in league scoring behind Thomas Vanek. Uh, I, I actually won the top forward award in the league, um, you know, most valuable forward or whatever. And uh, like I said, I was ranked in the second round, ended up going to fifth in, uh, in the fifth of Florida, you know, in, in Toronto, draft being there. So kind of worked out. Yeah. No, I, I mean, that you're, how did you get ranked in the second round? You're not even an NCAA yet. And you're like at least a year older than the rest. Like, Jesus, you must have been having a year. I had a year. Yeah. I had a good year. I, uh, I set, uh, I set a league record for goals uh, on, a, on an expansion team. Well, there wasn't a lot of expectation of that team. And, uh, and uh, you know, I think, I think a lot of, you know, those central scouting guys might've looked at the year before having, uh, you know, almost a hundred points. And all of a sudden you go to the USHL and uh, you know, definitely uh, had a big year. So, you know, almost, you know, 37 goals and on an expansion club. 
So that was kind of their view on it. I definitely had some holes in my game, which is probably why I went in the fifth. But uh, uh, now it was a good league. Like a lot of guys got drafted that year out of the league. It wasn't just me, you know, it was probably 15, 20 guys. So, so, so then when did you get, the, did you cover yet? Cause I was peeing when you got the scholarship to Western. Yeah, I got that out of St. Mike's. Okay, and so you already had it on the way to Topeka. Okay, sorry. So, yeah, so, so let's let's yeah, get so, to Western Michigan. We got too much to do. We got to get to Western Michigan. And you move in with Stretch. College. You move in with move Stretch. In with stretch. How's he? Stretch got, got any Stretch talk? Great. Stretch stories. Oh, <laughs> he and Stretch got along real well. Uh, I uh, he was he was fun to be around. Uh, we all got along. We all got along. The whole freshman class. And uh, I got a lot of stretch stories. I'm not sure if we're going to share them all, but, uh, but uh, you know, it was, there was never a dull moment with stretchy. No, he used to, uh, yeah, he used to have some good, uh, you know, I'll say, I'll say about stretch. It was unfortunate. I thought he should have played more. I thought he should have had more of an opportunity. Big guy like that. You bring him in at 18, you got to play him, develop him. And, uh, you know, even now as a coach, kind of looking back, thinking about that, I mean, he needed to play and develop. And even if it was on a bit of a different uh, gradual pace at a different scale, there needed to be a plan for him. And I felt bad for him. I really did that. Uh, he didn't get to play as much as he might've wanted to. And that's tough on a guy, you know? So, uh, yeah, you know, big six foot four to D man, bringing him in at 18. I mean, he should end up being a stud. So. Um, yeah, no, I, there were a couple of guys that were mentally fatigued by the end of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of my – it's a big regret of mine that we didn't uh, – we underachieved, you know, plain and simple as players, as a program. Completely uh, agree with you. That was a great place to play. We had uh, – you know, we had the best rink, maybe not the flashiest, but the best rink with the best fans. Uh, we were in between Detroit and Chicago. We were set up uh, geographically well to succeed. Uh, uh, Brooksy and Garrell recruited a heck of a couple of classes, uh, specifically being a lottery class. Yeah. And those guys were seniors. We had a frozen four caliber team and we, you know, we lost in the third round in, in the elimination, uh, you know, in the, in game three and overtime, best of three in Notre Dame. And that's, that's one of my biggest regrets as a player, kind of those, uh, those moments, you know, constant, not constant. We had a lot of good, good games and good moments, but, a lot of disappointment at the end of the year and it catches up to guys, right. Especially guys that maybe weren't playing, you know? Right. Well, like, um, and how competitive like yourself and I am like, <sighs> we were not happy. We were not happy to be losing for sure. No. You know? and, and it's like, sorry. No, you're right. Like me and you are the same. And we, we did lose a lot of big games. Like we would, I just, I hated the culture around there. I hated the way they talked. It was like, we're playing Michigan this weekend. We're playing Michigan state this weekend. Like, it's like, yeah, well, we're in the same league as them. And they're the same, like, they're just college kids too. Like, what's the big deal? Like we, like when we first went there, like we were as good as those teams. Absolutely. And listen, we should preface this with the fact that uh, we were brought there given a great opportunity. Uh, like Brooksy and Garrell, a lot of teams passed on me. And, uh, you know, I, I like 10, 12 teams, you know, like, and Western, bro, those two guys saw something that gave me an opportunity. Actually, when Jim came to watch me play, 
to make a decision on me. I was hurt. I had a, I had a hip injury and I played the worst game in my four year uh, junior hockey career. And they still took me, right. They still gave me that opportunity. So we, we were, we got brought in to a great place to play. We, uh, we had a lot of ton of good experiences. They treat us like gold. We got everything we needed off the ice. We just didn't get it done. And uh, yeah, like there's definitely issues with the culture, definitely things that, uh, you know, as a, uh, you know, when you're running a program, things you want to steer clear of for sure. Uh, but, you know, nobody's perfect either. And uh, we could take a lot of positive from that too. Like a lot of those big games that we won, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, uh, it, it was an awesome time. Like the, the, the four years I had there were four of the best years of my life. Right. Like they were, they were, they were an awesome time uh, to hang out with all the boys and not have so many responsibilities. <laughs> and some of those crowds, like I lost them with the lunatics. I mean, how do you, you, you never forget some of that stuff. Like, Oh man, it was, we incredible. won a lot of big games at home. If we could have, if we could have played every game at home, we'd be really, we, uh, really good. We, uh, <laughs> we were, you know what? And, and, and back to that lottery, uh, you know, Dana lottery class, those guys were seniors. We were sophomores, Wally, uh, even the junior class with Pat uh, wire, Jeremy Shane. Uh, we had a frozen four caliber team. You know, we, I'd say that year we struggled in a couple areas where if, if we didn't, we had a frozen four club, I, I think. And uh, that was a great team to play on for sure. Um, you know, our junior year, not so much, you know, it was kind of uh, a lot of things went wrong, but, uh, but not for you though, you like from a team perspective, I know we didn't do well, but yeah, I, I witnessed you have one of the best years I've ever seen a guy have with my own eyes. So uh, you were on a different planet that year. Yeah, no, that was definitely probably the best year of hockey I've ever played. You're right. Um, but uh, the next year when you left me, oh, my God. Like, literally, we never really played together. Our whole career at Western Michigan, we never played, like, a shift together. Like, not once. You you, you want to know something, Wally? Like, I Did was we? thinking about that. I was thinking about that, and I'm, I'm thinking along the same lines. I, I But – you know, I'm like, maybe my memory doesn't serve me right because that doesn't make any sense in the least. And we're talking power play as well here, I believe. We right. played on separate units for three years. Right. And like, uh, it's like they, it was like they set us up to be competitive with each other from the start. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Hey, listen, internal competition's great. I'm pretty sure we pushed each other and maybe. But what if we were on the same power play and we were like, well, let's see how good we could be. Right. Instead of like, well, I want my power play to be better than his power play. <laughs> yeah. And you know what did, and you know, if you look back, it kind of was a little bit of that and, uh, did it, you know, it doesn't make, just it a little make bit. The most yeah. Sense. yeah. But it's like, you know, when you're trailing, maybe in the third, you kind of, you might want to, you might want to go with, go with a load, right. <laughs> load things up and see if you can tie it up. But, uh, yeah, that was probably kind of one thing. Uh, I wish I could have played with you. Would have been a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't think we ever actually tried it in three years. A shift? I would say shift probably under five. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. That could be wrong. But no, but I, yeah. That so is, That stands out. I guess uh, out. I actually, you know what? I, like, this, when I don't look at my notes, I know I'm feeling it. And uh, you're right, yeah. man. Um, I, and I, it was, yeah. Like, I for some reason, I always felt competitive with you. And it was because, like, for myself, I had had like a, a record breaking, like goal scoring year, the year before I got to Western Michigan. And then I get there and you're on like the front of magazines. You're like everywhere. 
And I was like, Jesus Christ, like, what was I supposed to do in Elmira, Ontario? And I was like, who is this guy? And then, uh, like, literally, I never played with you again. And it like, it was like me and yourself and I got so competitive because we literally never played together. Like, what if we would have played together and we could have done it together? Maybe, <laughs> maybe a little little chemistry there. We could maybe <laughs> had that go- both beat thing going on right go over like uh rest in peace but uh uh we, we could have had uh you know go over and be shy yeah, yeah yeah like those guys uh those guys were lights out but you know what like, like uh we, we had a lot of good players too so if they went they did go with a bit of a blend and in, in sophomore year it totally made sense i probably would have done the same but uh you know junior year it's just it's to it's uh to me it was unacceptable you know um and that, uh, that was one thing kind of why I left early, you know, like all things like that, where you add them all up and you're just, uh, you know, it was time to move on. So that is my question is you, it wasn't just that you left after your junior year. It was more the timing of it because it was coming into the lockout and you were drafted by Florida. So did they say they weren't going to offer you? And then you were like, well, I still need out of here. Or what was the decision there? How did that thought process go yeah so like there were things along you know things uh during the junior year that uh i just you know didn't sit with well with me at all and it was tough because my brother came in as a freshman and uh, the staff gave him an opportunity as well to, and, and for us to play on the same team so it was super super awkward uh but i knew uh from a personal standpoint it probably was going to be time to move on like um you know I, I wasn't uh, wasn't really included in the five on three power play that year. Uh, that didn't make much sense um, to to me, anyways. I, I wasn't the coach at that time, nor was I an expert in anything. But that was kind of one thing that uh, that didn't sit with me. And um, you know, just kind of the the way things went down there in the second half and the way we got knocked out of the playoffs, I I was ready to turn pro. Um, I spent the whole year on Sundays, uh, which was our off day, go, just watching Grand Rapids. I'd go there a lot on Sundays just to kind of gauge if I thought it was ready. And I went without a contract. Like, I just went cold turkey, gave it a shot. And, um, you know, with San Antonio, I did pretty good there at the end of the year. So that, that was just a tryout, right? A PTO? Yeah, it was an ATO. And I played 12 games. And uh, I had six points there. And it was good. It was on, you know, at the upper end of the team there, uh, in, in terms of production for those 12 games and on the, we were on a flight back from uh, Chicago and, and Steve Ludzig, our coach kind of pulled me aside and said, you did awesome. Uh, you know, they're going to sign you in the off season. Don't worry about it all as well. Um, but it was a new staff from what drafted me. So I was drafted by Rick Dudley and um, you know, he, and he kind of, uh, they, they went with Mike Keenan and, and Jack Birch after that. And they kind of, uh, uh, I think they offered me something, but it wasn't anything substantial. And uh, I ended up being a free agent kind of after that 12 game period. So, uh, and then, and then the lockout happened, right? So then you're out of school, it's done, which like, I couldn't, for me, I, it never even crossed my mind. Like literally I was having, like you said, the best year of my life. And I never once was even thinking about pro and I had, all these agents calling me and I was like, I've always I, wanted to ask you this, Paulie. Yeah. What do you want? I, to ask? I've always, cause it's not like we conversed a ton. Uh, like you and I never had an argument in three years. Eh? Like no. we got along. 
I love being around you. It was a little competitive. Uh, you know, it was good internal competition. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, used in the right way from a team standpoint at times where it could have been. But I always wanted to ask you that junior year, like you had a, you were up for Hobie Baker, weren't you? Yeah. I wanted to like, what, uh, what kind of, uh, you know, Japs offers or what, <laughs> what went down there? Uh, uh, um, I had agents really getting after me at the start of the season when I think I started like 20 points in 10 games or something. I was like, lead the nation scoring. And, uh, all the agents were reaching out and, um, well, to be honest with you, call Hain convinced me, um, not that I, I shouldn't get an agent yet. I didn't need an agent yet. I shouldn't have an agent yet. And, um, I didn't get one until, well, basically until there was a, a moment where I finally manned up and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, this is the guy, this is the agent I should have. He's obvious. Why am I waiting? And by the time I pulled the trigger on that, which was the end of the season, um, when he started making his calls to his buddies and who, who agents would call, they said, well, I haven't seen him play. Um, he hasn't, he wasn't drafted. He's not on a radar. Um, just never seen him play. I don't know who you're talking about. And, uh, the end of that season, that's what he said to me is that the guys he called, um, that would be making those decisions, um, didn't know who I was. So then the next year when we were absolutely awful, you leave me, which you were always on the other line to take attention away from me. You're gone. Pat Dwyer's gone. Um, there was nowhere to hide, man. And yeah. I, you still had a good year though, for on a personal level. Like, would you have, uh, you had about 40 points or something like that? I, uh, yeah, like I, I, I had 26 goals or so. Like, I, I was like, I still did it. And, uh, but I had nowhere hard. to hide. I was playing against the best D on every team. And, um, to be honest, uh, every time I, I've said this on one episode, every time I saw it, the scouts that, and like, they would tell me when they were there, they would tell me when they were coming to watch. They'd tell me when the Leafs were coming. They would tell me when Anaheim was coming and I got so nervous. I just wanted to play. I just wanted to just play. I didn't want to know. I didn't want to know anybody was there. I just wanted to play hockey and as soon as I knew that it was getting that big, I would just, just fold. Yeah. I mean, you, you did, you know, you still scored 26 and uh, you know, it's still, uh, still a good year. It's funny as a coach, I have guys and, you know, being looked at all the time, uh, whatever it may be NHL, NCAA, there are certain guys I have to tell them, you know, this team's coming in, they're looking at you. Uh, you know, you're getting a decision made on you. I'll tell guys, there's other guys I can't tell. Like you, and you learn that after, but uh, the other thing is, is uh, yeah. And like, like you're getting out there. I wasn't of that age. I was, I wasn't man enough yet. I had lived at mommy and daddy's until I left to go to Western yeah. Michigan. I, and then I just live in the dorms and everything's just, it's, and then all of a sudden I'm like a step away from the NHL. I'm like, what the hell is happening? You're Right. And yeah. I never even thought any of that was happening. I was just the kid from Elmira getting a scholarship and like, you're on the front of the magazines. And I'm like, 
yeah, like NHL is not even on my radar. And then all of a sudden it was, and I was like, well, I wasn't mentally, I guess there, but um, not getting an agent and listening to them that season really hurt. And then uh, my senior year, um, this is my next story because I know we don't want to say anything too negative, but I got to say this. When I did go to Syracuse and I went there on a, uh, basically it's like a tryout. They wanted first crack assigning me July 1st, but an AHL deal was guaranteed. My very first practice in professional hockey, we did a D zone coverage drill. I'm the right winger. Andy Delmore's the defenseman who had scored 30 goals in the show as a defenseman a couple of years before. And you do it. Do you get you in the ankle or the knee? Nope. So you do a defensive zone drill where, like, if it gets outside the blue line, it doesn't matter, right? So he starts skating everywhere. He's Andy Delmore. He's the offensive defenseman of the year in the AHL that year. He skates all over the offensive zone, and you know what I do? What? I ch- chased him everywhere. I follow. <laughs> I followed him everywhere. I was right behind him because you know what we did at Western Michigan? We played man on man. Yeah. I went to pro and I chased Andy Delmore all over the zone and the ref or the coach blows the whistle and says, this is my first practice in pro. I'm chasing Andy Delmore all over the zone in a D zone coverage drill. And now that I think of that. Yeah. uh, That was the coaching I had. And I went to pro like that. I was done the first day I was there. Yeah, and you know what? I could have used uh, some adjustments, absolutely, certainly in a few areas, uh, which would have served me well in the long run for sure. And that's kind of what I try and provide my players now, those those adjustments needed. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what makes an uh, effective coach, right? And, uh, yeah, there's some things we, I'm sure we all needed. Wow, really well put. You have really become a coach. You really artic- yeah. you articulated that very well. I've just given stories. Yeah. I'm just giving true stories, but that's what happened to me. So, so you did have you. So you didn't have any formal offer. Like it was a leap of faith for me. Just come out, took a tryout. Uh, I never had a. I, I did it. I never had a formal offer that junior year. Um, when we thought, it, like after that season, my agent. When I said I'm with you, let's go. He said, "Well, yeah. you're not going back to school after that year." And then he, I said, "Okay." And then I said, I don't need to go back to school. Like, that's fine. I'll get her done. And then he made his calls around after my 50 point year. <laughs> and uh, yeah. he, he said, they haven't seen you play. Nobody was making calls on you. And guess what? And you, usually your yeah. coach would make the calls on you. Right. But guess what? Well, I, I, I actually, I'm going to get wound up here. So, you know now, what? Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll end it with this. Nowadays, if you would have had that year, nowadays you would, bypass the American League and step right to the NHL the minute you're done college you step right into the National Hockey League with that year you had and that was a fun that was fun to watch you that year I mean I was going through some stuff on the other end of the spectrum with in terms of a little bit of negativity that you're on a personal level but I mean thinking back the way you played that year that was uh that was pretty I uh, <laughs> I haven't seen too many guys have years like that well thank you it means a lot like it, it was the best I've ever been and uh, yeah I wish I would have been that good later on because that's when you actually get paid, right? Instead of. Yeah. Uh, but anywho, 
We better move on. That got into my stuff way too much. You have way too much stuff to talk about. So now we have. How we do it? How we doing on time, Wally? We're uh, we're coming um, along here pretty decent. We're all right. I don't. Does it really matter? No, man. I got all if, night. If people can't get through it, then they can't get through it. Shut it down, right? It's it's up to them. So here we go. We got to talk. We got. We're done at Western Michigan now, okay? We're going to move on from that. I think. I I just had to tell that story i've never told it before but thank you for the nice words vince um you actually i checked it out you were like a point a game college player every year and that was like and i know this like by the end the coaches were giving me more ice time giving me more power play like you said you weren't on the five on three you were still over a point a game in college every year and you and we never played together. Like, what is that? We both were point of game players for three years in college, and we never played together, and our teams never won. <laughs> gotta call you, yeah. I gotta call you out for this, Wally. On a couple of the episodes, you mentioned uh, oh that you that you uh, you scored more points than me in college. I don't know if your calculator is broken, but uh, if you I, pl- I played, I, I I played four seasons. Uh, then you definitely did. Uh, over the three years, we both had 113 points. I looked that up, and. Uh, Sorry, bud. I, uh, yeah, played, some, I, so, I, I some, played four yeah. seasons. I got more. <laughs> so you're you're up in the one. You're up in the one fifty for sure. You're right, hundred percent. All right. And, so uh, we tied. Yeah. Okay, we tied the battle. Okay, nobody won. Can you agree? Nobody won. Right. No. Be, but, because yeah. you know what actually happened, which we haven't got to yet, because we're still stuck at Western Michigan, is we may have had the same amount of points for three years, but. Because you were actually doing way better than me professionally, you got me to Germany. But we're not there yet, so we can't talk about it. We got to make a stop in the American League now, right? No, no. We weren't in the American League. I never really got there. We got to go to the East Coast, buddy. We got to go way down. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So we're going to yeah. we're going to skip some we're going to we're going to skip some of your stuff here. We'll have you on again. So, we played in the East Coast semifinals, the Florida Everblades against the Daytona Beach Bombers in 2006 <laughs> 7. Do you remember that playoff series? You know, it's uh, it still stings. It still stings. We had a great team and it was a great group of guys. And I still can't believe we lost game seven at home. I really, really can't. And you guys just you suffocated us that night. I don't know what it was. If we if we wasted all of our legs in, in game six because we came out guns of blazing game six down three two in the series and uh, we were ready to go in game seven but uh, your goaltender played super super well I remember uh, you guys were structured defensively and uh, you know you you got us in game seven I mean in front of a sold out uh, raucous crowd at uh, Germain Arena and uh, I remember after the game the level of disappointment in the room was uh, you just wouldn't forget it. No, I, that playoff series literally was one of the best. It had to have been one of the best playoff series I've ever been a part of. There there was, there was a game. I don't know what game of the series it was. We played what four over three or four overtimes. We kicked the series off with a triple OT um, in In Florida. Florida in the heat. And I was in an IV in the third overtime in the locker room and coming out of the IV, you guys score as soon as I'm coming out of the tunnel and uh, you guys got us game one. And that was an eye opener. We were heavily favored that series. Like we had a great team and you guys were good. 
but uh, we felt pretty, you know, we were confident going in and that game won triple overtime, beating us on the road. Like that was, uh, you know, that got the thing, you know, it got it kicked off and set the tone for the series. Um, that series, man, like it was so ridiculous because we were from Dayton, Ohio, and we were living in the slums and it was disgusting. And then we slum it in the North division all year and it's disgusting and different world. It's a different league. up Yeah. It's a whole different thing. And we do that. And then I think this is what the East coast is like. I think this is what it is. And then we find, we somehow get out. We're down three, one first series. We win the next series. We're there. We're playing you guys and you guys are supposed to just crush us. And your team is way better than us, but we had this coach. So I go from chasing Andy Delmore around like a donkey um, to then the HL coach, not being a teacher. He didn't teach. You could either do it or you, you couldn't like, you're not, you're not, he's not teaching you. So they sent me down to the coast. And then that guy there, Derek Clancy, um, he taught me defense. He taught that whole team. Like you said, we had a structure in defense, like defense can be taught. I don't think offense parts of it can be taught, but you can either see the game or you can't defense. I personally think defense can be taught. It's, a mindset and it's knowing where to be and where your stick needs to be. It's not that complicated if you dumb it down. Right. And then accountability to the buy-in, right. If you can get a guy that combines all those, you can be effective. Yeah. And it's not that hard. Like you, like I rem- we used to over try so hard on defense to try and kill somebody or hit somebody at Western Michigan. Like all you got to do is just play old stand there defense. with a good, yeah. It's good stick. It yeah. Pulls up ice. Great time. And, uh, you know, just proper coverage, body positioning. You don't need to be battling like a psycho in the corner in, uh, in no. morning skate to learn how to play defense. No, I totally agree. I, you don't need to slash each other on top of the head. And, you know, yeah. it, anyways, uh, but, where, but where, that where series, we? that series. Yes. So we lose the triple overtime in game one and game two, uh, we, we got you guys. We travel back to Dayton for game three. We win again. Call it Daytona Beach, please. Daytona Beach. <laughs> and then game four, I don't know if you remember this, Wally. Um, the ice? Yeah, actually, the ice was choppy. And then maybe that, maybe that's a good segue into what I wanted to, to get into on that series. I, we were up one nothing with 10 minutes left. And I made a turnover at the red line. Jeez, and you, you guys come back memory. to the other – you guys come – I remember because that was the turning point in the series, I thought. And I had a great playoff. I, I might have led the playoffs in scoring, Wally, and, and only played three rounds. But that turnover I made at the red line in game four, um, you guys come back with 10 minutes left and tie a 1-1. We lose 2-1. I believe it was an overtime. And all of a sudden, the series is 2-2, right? Uh, if we end up going up 3-1 there uh, in that game, it's yeah, probably it's a different series. But, yeah, yeah I made the mistake. You guys come back and score and, uh, you know, and then you win game, you win game five and then game six, you know, we're going back to Florida for two. And I don't know, I'm sure you're going to want to tell some stories about uh, that part of the trip. Uh, but I remember game six, we came out flying. We won pretty handily. And then game seven, uh, you know, you guys, it was a uh, expert, expert road performance. Um, to be honest, that goalie you're talking about was Adam Burkle 
who played some games for the Atlanta Thrashers actually before that season. So he had already been in the NHL for a few games, man. He won East coast goalie of the year, that league or that season. He was out of his mind that year and he retired like a year later, but he was just out of his mind. And yeah, the, the defense that coach taught me, and he taught me how easy it actually is to play defense if you do it correctly. Right. It changed. If he w- if I wouldn't have got sent down to Dayton, my career, I wouldn't have lasted. Because if you can't play defense, you can't play. That first practice in the AHL was the most embarrassing thing I've ever been a part of. And I will never forget that day because Western Michigan had been playing man-on-man to finish our season. So I decide I got to chase Andy Delmore all over the ice. It was so embarrassing. Yeah. But any, anywho. I remember the left wing lock we had employed. That was uh, in the neutral zone. Mm. And it was always the centerman that had the lock. So you're kind of handcuffed. Uh, I still remember that. You were playing. And, like uh, yeah. it, was, it was tough to play. Okay. Well, so my – sorry, we got off, off topic again because – so we do win game, game seven. seven. Okay. So I actually have a really good series and I um, do well. We, you, but one thing I got to say is when we're in Florida, literally every time you got the puck, the whole crowd would like go, Oh my God. Oh. And like our whole team was like, it was like just trying to stop you. And it was like, <laughs> Holy shit. Like I just played against this guy a year ago and now I'm just like the right winger on the line. And this guy is, he's the show. And, uh, I actually had to speak to you. I had the same experience in the AHL. I had played with Pat Dwyer and then I had my senior year and he had gone pro. And then I played against him, in the AHL, and he was playing for whoever Carolina's farm team was. Albany, I think. Albany, yeah. Yeah, and we were there playing a game, and he was the best player on the ice by a mile. And I was like, I went to Western Michigan last year, and you two guys went pro, and you two were completely different players than I was a year later. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, you learn a lot in your first year pro, uh, especially in my case in, in particular. I went through a lot of difficult difficult times uh in the american league i basically played a full year there but it was uh you know it was a split affiliation uh, with carolina and colorado um i was a free agent signing by carolina and it made it made things real difficult uh under those circumstances it was just like you know there's like 50 60 guys show up uh, at ahl camp from two different teams and uh you know a lot of things uh didn't go too well for me in the American League like I did okay for playing five seven minutes a night somehow I managed you know whatever eight ten goals whatever it was but um, uh, I was a motivated guy in the East Coast League and uh, I you know I had a good year a year and a half there in Florida really you know it was, uh, it was a great place to play uh, it was easy to get up for games and uh, you know it uh, appreciate the uh, you know the endorsement there no, like, man, it was, it was nuts in that playoff series. Like yeah. when we would play in Florida, like every time you got the puck, like the crowd would be like, 
like a buzz. And I was like, holy shit, like Vin- Vinny's got the puck and I'd see you do your thing through the neutral zone where you get your thing going. <laughs> you, you, you know what it is. Anyways. Stretch said I played weird. Yeah. Well, it's more the way you stick. Different. You, you kind of stick handle different, right? But he's anyways, in, he's, he's entitled to that because he did. Uh, we played together for three years. I kind of know what he's getting at too. Um, I know what he's but, getting uh, at too, but yeah, it's for sure. just, just a different way you kind of handle the puck, the way you ho- like ho- hold the stick. But I, we're not going to yeah. get into that because what I want, to, when you said I had a story from that night, um, when we mm-hmm. won game seven in Florida and both teams at the end of that series were like, that was an awesome series. Like, yeah. how can anybody be upset with anybody? Like, we had the defensive specialist coach that taught us all how to play defense, and then we had the crazy goalie. You guys were way better than us, and we just played defense and tried to eke out wins, and we got four of them. It was nuts. I can't believe we won that series still because you guys were way better than us. But anyways, that night – was the one night I decided to trash talk in my career. I'm standing. <laughs> I'm do, Derek Damon was on your team. You remember that guy? Yep. yep. He's standing, besi- standing beside me at a face off and they're on the power play and I'm on the penalty kill. It's game seven. And I say, you're actually on the power play. And that's all <laughs> I said. Right. Just to like, I don't know why I said it. Never say stuff like that ever. And then we win the game. And we go out, we're all at some big bar down wherever you guys are living in this ridiculous place. It palm trees, completely yeah. different than Daytona beach, Ohio. <laughs> and, but then I end up at this guy's place and we're all hanging out and it's Derek Damon's place. And I'm with your team that night. Like we're all hanging out. There's five of us guys from Dayton and guys from your team. Yeah. And I, and he's he he hands me a beer and says, "Do you still think I shouldn't be on the power play?" And this is after we just played game seven against each other. We're all hanging out together, and I was like, "I'm never trash talking again because I <laughs> I suck at it." And that was just a mean thing to say because you yeah. know what? He was a good player and he should have been on the power play. I was just trying to get under his skin, you know. Game seven brings out the best uh, best in everybody, right? Then the Wally. Uh... You had a great series, man, and uh, it was uh, that was uh, that was a battle. Uh, I think we, we were matched up against each other a little bit too at certain points, but uh, oh. I remember the handshake after. And uh, I hadn't you seen know, you since Western Michigan, man, and we yeah, battled. Was that was, yeah, yeah, it was uh, that was a hell of a battle. But you guys were the better team. We just had the better goal. Well, I won't say whoever your goalie was. I know who he was, but um, yeah. Anyways. Burkhole was really on it that night. Um, the other thing was the refs were at the party that night too. And they, <laughs> they, they, the, the last part of my story from game seven of that night, actually I'll save it for the miser um, podcast. Cause save he just, it. he just told me he's coming on. Here we go. Next one. You go from there to the Everblades when we're both in the semifinals against each other. You take a DEL tryout with Ingolstadt, whatever they're called. And Panthers. Panthers? Yeah. So then you start ripping it up. Do you know that the reason I get to Germany 
is because you're ripping up your DL tryout after that Florida year. Cause you were better than me that year by a mile. Um, you're ripping it up and they're looking for a winger and that they see that junior year that I had had more points than you one year. And they're like, well, if this guy can rip it up in the DL, surely this guy could at least play in the second league. You could have played in the DL. I can definitely confirm that Wally. It was a great <laughs> league. Like it was uh DL was a good league. It was, uh, you know, it was, you know, similar to the American league on some nights, maybe even a little better. Um, uh, but I can attest you could have definitely played in that league for sure. No, I played some exhibition games against that. I, I, against them. I'm not worried about if I could have played there, but yeah. you actually went there on a tryout and then you yeah. end up scoring 31 goals. Yeah. So a guy coming out of the East coast league is not, uh, is not necessarily going to step into the DL, right. Uh, or score uh, 31 goals. Well, yeah. So the, the way that went down, I, I took a tryout. I had some options the uh, various leagues in Europe. Uh, I also, you know, uh, was kind of, thinking about trying again in the American league, but my experience uh, in the American league, it, you know, it, uh, it wasn't always positive. So I, I kind of decided, you know, let me, let me give the Europe thing a try. Um, so I ended up taking a tryout in Ingolstadt and uh, it's an 11 game trial, six weeks. Uh, in the 11 games, I scored one goal. Uh, and there was, uh, so I thought for sure I was getting cut. Like I had one goal. I don't know how many assists, but the one goal in 11 games was like, I was not on the way home from Vienna, which is where we played our last exhibition game on the bus. I remember thinking, what am I going to do now? Type of thing. Um, the, the coach ends up keeping me, Ron Kennedy, who uh, who's passed away um, with cancer, but Ron Kennedy ended up keeping me. He saw something. He wanted to give me an opportunity. Uh, you know, a couple of the guys on the team, I think vouched for me as well. A couple of the older veteran guys, and uh, they end up keeping me and giving me an opportunity. He started me on the uh, on the third line, and I remember there was a team, uh, there was a fan message board right on the team website. So it's like you're a hockey player and you're kind of like you can't read German, and there's you know you're trying to read stuff about your league and see what's going on. Everything's in German on the team website. You can translate it to English, so you get clicking around. And I start reading the message board, and none of the fans want to keep me. Like they all want me gone. Like this guy's an East Coast League player. He's got to go. He scored one goal in the uh, in the preseason, and and we're keeping this guy. So, you know, the first five games go by. I'm playing like on the third line. I'm playing okay, and uh, I scored uh, I scored a shootout goal in Duisburg, <laughs> and uh, to win the game, we won a shootout. And from then on, it was like I just got a, a boost of confidence, and uh, you know, I ended up scoring 31 that year. And that, which was, which was a big year. I think I was, I don't know, maybe second in the league in goals. Um, and it was, uh, you know, people didn't really expect that, but uh, I had a, I had quite the year there. And that's one do of the you, best years ever for me in hockey. Right. Like, yeah. 31 goals in the DL. You kidding me? Yeah. That's gotta be yeah. um, like, I heard that like similar to when you were in Florida, which was the year before which this must be the peak of your career because everybody goes up and down and gets better at different ages. But I heard when you got the puck in Ingolstadt, they had a song for you, right? Yeah. So that the re so there was like the, the fans there just because they want, they, I, you know, they wanted me gone in the preseason. 
when I started getting hot and and started really scoring a lot, they fell in love with me. Like to it went up, they went too far with it. Like um, there was songs after like just uh, I don't know if you remember, but Bayern Munich, the soccer team, which was down the road, had an Italian player. His name was Luca Toni. Scored like yeah, uh, he broke some record that year for goals by a soccer player, fifty goals. And after each one of his goals. They used to play this Italian song for him. So the guy at Ingolstadt said, you know what? Bellissimo is having like a similar year. You know, hockey's not the same as soccer, but they try to, they try to make a, you know, a bit of a similarity there and put the same song on for me. So I would score a goal and they'd have this Italian song start playing after each, after the goal announcement. And then the fans would, would at the end of that song would sing a personalized song for me that went on for like, probably like a minute. And the goals, the goals keep coming. The song keeps coming, and it was just, it was mayhem. Uh, we would, <laughs> after the games, like there'd be nights where we win the game. I have no points, and um, you know the fans sing. They want, they want a player to come out after each win. They want a special, <laughs> and they're calling me like I had a quiet night. You know, ineffective, hit nothing. Some other guys got two or three, and they're calling me out there. And it just, it, it got to be like, they went overboard, but you know, still to this day, I'll, I'll never forget some of those moments. There was a night they sang happy birthday to me, like five, 5,000 people, um, you know, and it, uh, it was just like, uh, you know, it was like an experience I've never had with, with the fans in that city, uh, even just walking around the city, Wally, like I couldn't, I didn't go anywhere without getting noticed that year, like literally anywhere. Um, so that was that was pretty and that's cool. after going there on a tryout and i'm just slumming away in the second league right down yeah. the road <laughs> yeah so like again not totally unexpected going in on tryout i was i was one of the lower paid imports in the league wall i took uh you know there there's uh 10 imports per team uh 12 teams i've got to be 120 imports in the league and i i for sure was in the top bottom five in terms of pay um so totally unexpected but that year there was was like, uh, like so, I can't even explain some of the stuff. No, so and that's what's weird though is that you leave there, you leave that that status because like I had that kind of in Beatingheim for a little bit where they really, 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 really liked me, and then it stopped when we stopped winning. Um, if I had it my way, quick. I would have stayed Wally. If I had it my way, uh, I would have stayed there for ten years. Um, two things happened. I got offered, uh, you know, a good sum of a uh, good sum of money to go to Finland, um, which uh, which wasn't the, the deciding factor. The deciding factor was that I my agent, my agent in Germany was was compiling offers. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to stay in Ingolstadt and the offers at, at the beginning weren't I didn't uh, think they were sufficient and end up getting a huge offer in Finland. The agent tells me if you do what you did this year in Ingolstadt, if you do that in Finland, you're going to go back to the NHL. Right. And as soon as he said that, I'm in, right. Like I wanted to, I wanted to kind of make, uh, you know, kind of make up what I'd missed out on in my NHL contract. So I, I went, went to Finland, didn't end up working out, but, uh, but, you know, I took a shot and uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't regret it, but you know, that I end up back in Ingolstadt a couple years later, but it was a great place to play, man. Yeah. So you, yeah, you went to Finland, you gave her your, you gave her your swing, but looking back on it, Ingolstadt was pretty awesome. Probably. Oh, it was, 
Well, it was, I mean, like I said, not, not being able to walk around the town without uh, getting noticed and people really like in the restaurants taking you in just kind of the way, the way I was treated. Um, and it kind of set me up to, to do pretty well in Europe the next couple of years in terms of, uh, in terms of wages and all that. So, uh, yeah, so very lucky. Yeah, no kidding, man. Like, and we were both in the East coast against each other in the semifinals that year before. And then I go to the second league, you go to the first league, you're like the, you're like the, the toast of the town and I'm in the second league and you ripped uh, it up too, though. I did. All right. I did. Okay. Uh, we yeah. went to the finals. We almost won it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it. I can remember come watching you play. That so that had- don't, this isn't about me. We, we talk enough about me. This is about you. Let's go on to um, where are we now? You're so, so we, went to, we went to Finland. Yeah. So Finland. So that league to me, can I, can I, can I give my hockey two cents here? Yeah. <clears throat> I don't think you're skating is up to snuff for the Finnish league, but I think your puck handling, running the half wall, do be in Vinny. Um, I don't think that's the league for you. Yeah. So with like, again, they, they brought me in there. They, they, you know, the, the contract I got was uh, in the upper echelon in the whole league. Uh, our owner was Sammy Kapanen, who was a unreal guy, had uh, numerous dinners at his house with, you know, I don't know if you know Casper's uh, captain is in the NHL now. I used to play video games with him when he was nine years old. He probably doesn't know that, but uh, is that right? So yeah. that's what the spider web of this podcast is. Yeah. Is that Colby got a picture outside of the uh, Air Canada Center, whatever it's called now, um, with Caspiri after a Leafs game. Yeah, he used to kick my butt in NHL or whatever it would have been back then. <laughs> But uh, he, he was a good kid. Good, he was a small kid. But Sammy's a great guy, great family. And uh, they brought me in there. I was the only import on the team. And everything in the locker room, Wally, was in Finnish. Uh, the coach spoke broken English. Um, and in the preseason, uh, I, I led the team in scoring. I had, uh, you know, uh, whatever it would have been, 10, 11 points in eight games. But we, we had a couple veterans out of the lineup that didn't play any preseason games. So – when when those veterans came in, it was like it was only two of them. It was Sammy and it was a guy by the name of Callie Salstead. Um, you know, Callie was a centerman. And uh, as soon as the first game of the season rolled around, I started on the third line. And skating part, you know, that hurt me in very you know in, uh, various points in my career. Probably you know not just that year, but in uh, in you know in other years as well. And it was always a hurdle I had to uh, overcome, right? Not being the most athletic guy or whatever. Um, and yeah, that was part of it for sure. But, uh, no, I felt pretty comfortable in the preseason and, and at the start of the year, I just kind of started on the third line and, and it was, uh, hockey wasn't going that great. It was, it was a tough place to live. Right. Um, where was it? It was in Kuopio, which is in the Northern part of Finland where in the winter time, there's no sunlight, you know, and it's always raining and, uh, coach was on me, but the, so you, you went from Ingolstadt when I went through there. You get, get to, to Alpa and Kulpio. I had a lot of nights where the fans were booing me, actually. So, you know, you kind of didn't feel like I was, you know, I was earning my paycheck, so like in terms of production. So it, it got tough. You know, fans were on me. Uh, wasn't playing a lot some nights. And, uh, you know, just, it, it, you know, 
I didn't have the same living experience. So yeah, it didn't work out there, but I could. Were you playing center? I played mostly in the preseason while I played center. I played center. Callie Salstead came back. A couple other guys. I don't remember what happened to the lineup, but I do remember in the regular season, uh, I played mostly wing. Mostly wing. Because you're not a winger. Yeah. So it depends. Like, what do you so, think? Uh, so I turned in. So I was always a centerman growing up, right up through junior, right into college. I played a lot. You know, I played some wing with Lattery uh, as a centerman. But uh, when I got to pro, I was pretty much a hybrid wing. I played, uh, even in Ingolstadt, played a lot of wing. It was just kind of whatever, uh, you know, whatever the coach saw fit. But I did play a lot of wing in pro as well. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. The one thing I, I do find, I always had success up the middle, you know. Um, but, you know, not, you know, sometimes you end up on the wing. I tell my players all the time, you just do, do what's asked you, play where you're told, and make the best of it. So I did have some success as a winger too, though. No, I, yeah, I'm just trying to think of what I would do with you as a player. I, I think you'd be a centerman for me. Yeah, I, I was, that's where I was most comfortable. But like I said, uh, you know, I, I, I did okay on the wing as, as well. Like Copio, you know, Alpa just, you know, it didn't work out. I ended up going Austria, you know. Yeah, so uh, Innsbruck, I've played an exhibition game there. That's a beautiful town too, right? But it's a little town, is. isn't it? It's not that little. I'd say it's, uh, I don't know, 150, 200,000, maybe more. It's a small uh, little rank though, right? The rank probably seated 3,000. Yeah. 3, yeah. I played an exhibition yeah. game there and got in the yeah. line brawl. Yeah. Oh boy. Really? Yeah. 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 I got hit from behind and then my team all fought for me. <laughs> yeah. So like, uh, you know, about through, I don't know, halfway through the year in Finland, I decided to move on the team in Innsbruck, uh, um, you know, they, and it was Ron Kennedy who was there, who was, who had me in Ingolstadt. He ended up in Innsbruck. So that, that was the connection. And he, the same uh, he, coach that you scored 31 coach. with. Right. So he brought me there and honored my contract, the full thing. So for me, it was an easy decision. Uh, you know, Austria, beautiful place. Innsbruck, I would open my blinds wall in the middle of the day and there was mountains everywhere. Um, not you know, a cloud I, in the sky. On the cloud of the sky. Not a cloud in the sky. It was uh, it was pretty good living, and uh, you know I did pretty well in that league too. I saw that. I saw yeah. you did very well, and that's the same coach, right? But your the coach you have, it really does matter, right? Like it really, really matters. It's huge. Like it's huge, Ron. Like I said, the one one goal in eleven games. Ron coached the uh, the New York Islanders back in his day. You know he was. Uh, he was a pretty established hockey guy. I think he worked for Hockey Canada as well. He ended up being the coach of the Austrian national team. Had me in Ingolstadt and Innsbruck. Uh, he's passed away now. But that guy just, you know, he just loved me. He saw something. He know, knew how to use me, utilize me in the right ways. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I just kind of took it from there. And Innsbruck, uh, it was like just kind of putting on an old shoe playing for Ron. And, uh, God, you know, I did pretty well in that league. No, you did. You did very well. And you know what? I got to say this right now because I've been walking the dog a couple times and I try and figure out what I'm going to say and like what I want to get on. Like I'm trying to think is like, man, once I, I was from Elmira, Ontario. When I met you, I had never been outside of Elmira, Ontario. And then I go to Kalamazoo and I meet an Italian Italian guy, Italian guy, whatever you say it from Toronto. 
And I didn't get you guys. Like I didn't, I, I was from Elmira. I knew the country boys. I didn't get you. And, and once I went to Europe, I went to Italy. I played with Italians. Yeah. I get you now. I totally get you now. And I I wish I could have met you now that back when we met at Western Michigan, because I like, I I understand you. I understand your brother. I understand your, your family because I've been there now and I've seen it. Right. It's yeah. And, and it was, it was, uh, you know, it was, uh, Rito was the same from uh, Tavistock. Daryl, where's Daryl from? Elmira. Branford, Branford. Branford. Played in Elmira with you? Yeah. Um, we got traded there at the deadline last year. Yeah. F- uh, uh, Fozzie was from Sarnia. It was a lot of all small, small town guys. Uh, Stretch was from Burlington. Um, and then, it was, you know, it was me. But uh, we, you know, we always got along. Like, we never had – you and I never had a beef in three years. And we're always competing against one another. But I think there was always that mutual respect in terms of what we both brought but uh um i we used to hang out all the time you know we were different you know didn't have a ton of common but we uh we managed to have a lot of good times too well absolutely i was just saying though like now that i've seen the world and i've been there and i've gone out there and i like i just i i get you more now you know like i get you as a person i get i get it all more like i get i you know i i understand Slovaks I understand everybody more because I've been there and I've seen it and I understand the personalities and like like Italians are a bit like you're passionate you're like like you're gonna let you know what you think right then and there and then that's it you move on right yeah, and that, that probably bit me in the butt a couple times, but uh, that's just the way kind of the way I'm wired. It kind of serves me well as a coach, actually. Um, but uh, but I, I get what you're saying totally, for sure. No, I, I just I just get you more now, man. That's all. I just I wish we would have met. I think we would have got along a lot better in our later 20s and 30s and hung out. Well, it's not like we didn't get along. It's like yeah. that we would have spent more time together and I would have like sat down and had a had a like uh what the little coffees with espresso all espresso. There you, you go. You should you should see how many of those get consumed in the JRC uh coaching staff office. So we'll go, go through hundreds a month. That's not good for you, man. Yeah. No, but it, we you know we uh, it helps with our results. Okay. So where are um, we? But now? hey Colby's coming through. Uh, he'll be coming through Toronto, like I said, for some hockey tournaments and stuff like that. Tanya and I would love to have you guys over for barbecue for sure. No, we got to do that. Um, yeah. Where are we now? What? Where? So are we, we went to Austria, and from Austria, we went back to Ingolstadt. Did we go back to Ingolstadt? I don't think we've been yeah, back we, there. After Austria, no, we haven't. We haven't discussed it yet. So, so you went up, back to Ingolstadt, and then. Is it, it's not the same coach because he's in Austria. So then you go back to a team that isn't the same coach who the fans love you. So it's not going to be the same because the new coach ain't going to love you. Like uh, what was his name? Uh, Ron Kennedy. So yeah. Ron, Ron Kennedy, Canadian guy, uh, you know, from uh, where was he from? Somewhere in Canada, but super Canadian. And then I could go play for an Italian guy in, uh, in Ingolstadt, which who, who I liked. I thought he was a great guy. The GM was an Italian guy as well. 
Uh, the issue that year was my hip. Uh, I just battled a hip injury basically the whole year in and out of the lineup constantly. I uh, couldn't get over it. I played okay. Uh, we had a guy that year by the name of Thomas Greilinger who absolutely lit the game on fire every single night. And he was a right winger and uh, he led our team every single night. And I was in and out of the lineup with a hip injury. And, uh, you know, it was just kind of one of those years where I never battled injuries in my career. It wasn't uh, always found a way to manage to play, you know, basically every game. And that year there, it was just, uh, you know, I just couldn't do it. So uh, I had a decent go that season, but it definitely wasn't the same as, uh, as the first time around. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it, every year, right. It's just different. Like it's yep. a different feel. It's different, different feel, but I, man, having that year, I'm glad you had that, that first one in English sad, man. That must've been really cool. Oh, it was something else, man. It, okay. it was, uh, so you, you don't finish that year with English dad. Cause I believe you go to Italy now. And uh, you become a champion with your brother. Is that right? Yeah. So what went down that year was I, I knew I was kind of, I'm thinking I'm coming, you know, um, I don't know that my career is kind of going to end, but I figured, you know what? I, I uh, my brother's team is, is poised for a run in the, in the championships. And I actually, I listened to, to Lavecchio. Uh, he had some comments about the Italian league. And it's proof to his comments are proof to the fact that leagues are different every year and teams and franchises are different every year. They and are. that, that year there in Italy, that team, uh, you know, that I was there for the last eight games and the whole playoff run. That was unlike anything I've ever seen in terms of a town <laughs> grabbing a team and packing the stands and the, the building in the town shaking every night there's a game. And uh, you can look that stuff up on YouTube. That was the team's first championship in I don't know how many years, uh, a lot. And uh, we, we had a playoff run, and, and we ended up winning it all. So, uh, and, and I got to do it with my brother, which was extra special. It's still, you know, it was uh, still on YouTube. We kind of go back every now and then and look at the stuff. And, and that was a great roster we had. Uh, you know, guys played in the National Hockey League that were on that roster. A lot of guys played in the American League. And... Uh, you know, we, we, get, we got down 2-0 in the first round. And from there, we only had two losses the rest of the playoff. And um, the town exploded. And uh, you know, What town was it? Cortina? Asiago. Asiago. Yeah. Like and the cheese. That's where the cheese, we, we were at the factory a number of times. Getting cheese and stuff like that. The, the, the various factories in town, uh, that's where that cheese uh, originates from. And... Um, that was an unreal experience. So I hear what Lovecchio saying, different town, different year, maybe. The, and, you know, the thing about the Italian league, the rules are constantly changing. But that league that year was set up uh, real, real well. And it was uh, well run. And the crowds were, were amazing. The building was rocking. And uh, we won a championship. And that's what it's all about. You know, it was my oh. first, cha first championship in, uh, you know, in, in – in, you know, in any, at any point since uh, I think I won one in minor Adam, but hadn't won one until that time. So I was, uh, that'll probably go down probably as the, uh, as my best memory as a pro, you know, win a championship with my brother. I, I don't see how it couldn't be like that's yeah. uh, that's winning. Anything is like, just, uh, yeah. but like, I don't know what Lavecchio said about the Italian league, but I do know 
that those leagues have changed and adapted over the years is like right. the UK league is completely different than when we first went over there. When we first went over there, it was a joke. I would right. never even thought to go there, but right. by the end, it, like now it's like, it's, 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 it's a good spot. And uh, the Italian league. I think it's the opposite way in that league because they lost a couple of their top teams to the Austrian league. And then there's that Alps league, right? What's that? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm not even, I'm not up to date on it. Um, I do know they lost a couple of their top teams. They also decreased the amount of imports they have in the league. So, and I don't know when those rules are changed. So Levecchio and, and his perspective. Uh, yeah. Is, it, that, it all, valid. it all changes, right? Like all those leagues oh, change. Like they do. If you, if, if you look at our roster in Asiago that year, I mean, that, that team was uh, could compete with an American league team. Like, if yeah, you just, you know, and that's it, back yeah. when the Italy that that league was really good. I don't think it's the same anymore. I think that no. league yeah. was. I think that league was really, really good back when I was there, uh, when we were over there. And I'll tell you who was the mayor in Asiago. His name is Daniel Bellissimo, and the goalie, is, the goalie. He played. Do you think he'd come on the podcast? You'd have to ask him. I don't, I'm sure he's going to listen to this one. He might be open to it for sure. Jeez, I, I, I hope seen, he does. You should have seen him in pro. Like I he, know. I, I, I saw him like playing in the world championships and shit, man. Yeah, against Team Canada, USA, all that. Like he's a, That's a guy there that at the goaltending position started his pro career in Italy and ends up in the Swedish Elite League. Or excuse, yeah, the Swedish Elite League for two years. That is not – that doesn't that's, happen. That does not uh, happen. But that's because you could not score on him. Like practice, he was good in college. He came in as a freshman, um, you know, played a ton of games, and he was good. But when he got the pro, he morphed into something different. Like he was, he was, and he, you know, four years in Asiago, they started at the bottom. He was two, three-time league MVP, playoff, two-time champion, uh, five-year starting goalie for the national team. And ends up then going to Sweden and end up in the elite league. That's a guy, you know, another guy uh, with a good story. And he was, uh, he was the mayor in that town. Let me tell you, I went there. I was, I was nobody. It was all about him. And I loved it. That's awesome. That, yeah. No, like, that's awesome. Um, I would love to have him on. I, yeah, I, I would love to have your brother on, man. Like I'll do this with anybody. Like, yeah. Like it, we, you don't have to be tight buddies just to, have a couple beers and talk about your career. Like, isn't this a good memory for like your wife, your kids? I, I don't know. I, I think I'm I appreciate, yeah, I totally appreciate it. Well, my kids never got to see me play, you know? Right. Uh, and that's the thing is like, yeah. they don't even know we did all this shit. Right. Yeah. I try and tell them that, you know, daddy lived here. He just lived there. He, he's done this and that, but uh, they, they don't see it with their own eyes. You know, they do get to see me coach, uh, but it's not the same, you know? Oh, and, uh, Okay, We're, we are at the end, so you did yeah. win it with your brother, but you then play for the Las Vegas Wranglers. So how do you decide it's the end? So um, throughout, I, I was supposed to be done after that year in Asiago. Like I'd been married for a full year, not living with my wife, um, you know, and I, was, I thought we were going to be, you know, done with it and, and kind of moving on. Um, you know, I kind of got the itch there in the summertime uh, coming out of, uh, you know, just coming out of pro and kind of the, the weather starting to get cooling down a bit. I kind of wanted to play. So I picked up the phone 
I called around for, uh, you know, some American League tryouts. And I ended up talking with a guy, uh, the head coach in Las Vegas, Ryan Mujanel. Uh, he got me a, a trout in San Antonio and, uh, and a contract with him in, in Las Vegas. And he was a fantastic coach and a great guy. Uh, the issue that year, I didn't finish the year. And ultimately how my career ended was I had, uh, I had a bad concussion in the first exhibition game we played, which would have been, you know, my fifth or sixth volley of my career. I ended up coming back. And I remember it was a road game in Ontario. And I got hit into the boards, and it wasn't a diagnosed concussion or anything, but I, it just didn't feel right. Um, you know, and I just, you know, I'm going into my second year of marriage, uh, still not living with my wife. Um, and uh, I kind of, uh, you know, I just, and now with having all the info we have now and all the research that's done, I know for sure I made the right decision to just stop uh, in the middle of the year. Uh, but I, I wasn't right. I wasn't healthy. Uh, you know, it was too many hits to the head and, uh, you know, it's kind of, you're getting up there in years. It's time to hang them up. We can't play forever. Wally, you know, I know you played a little bit longer than me for sure. Some guys play into their forties, but, uh, for me, I was done right around there, 28, 29. And, uh, you know, that was it. Yeah, no, everybody plays until it's the right time for them. Um, it's, there's so many factors into whether or not you continue to play. Yep. There's wives, there's kids, there's jobs, there's how much you're making, there's your health. There's a lot to factor in. I knew I was coming to the end. And yeah, it is what it is, right? It yeah, comes to an end. At least you still are in the game. You got a passion for it and you're loving it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Totally lucky in that regard. And again, I fell into it by accident, but here I am still going. Um, you know, I mean, I'd like to coach in the Ontario League uh, in the OHL one day and, and kind of see where, where that would take me. But uh, we'll be patient about it and kind of see what happens. Well, the, the, the trajectory, trajectory, trajectory your career is on, um, I don't see how it doesn't happen. Like, look at what you did with all those kids. Um, I think, uh, your passion and your desire for the game, um, you, I won't lie to you. Like, I wish I would have had more of it in college. Um, like when you were watching video and sleeping on the couch, like I, I was not doing that. Right. Yeah, I mean uh, everybody's different, right? Well, I think I probably I probably got too immersed at times, right? And sometimes I could go against you, you know, because you're too, you get too into you're it, too wired, you're too into it, too wired, right? And I could think of a, a few times where uh, it got the best of me, you know, in the other in the other direction. But you know, we are we are we're gonna learn from our uh, mistakes, and um, <laughs> it serves me well as a coach, kind of being wired that way, so. Yeah, no, I told, sorry, I was coughing. I didn't no have my headset on. Um, no, I, uh, I totally get it because when I would get too into hockey, like, and at young ages, you don't really know. And I remember like my old man coming down and be, like, I'd have music playing. I'd be ready to go. And he'd be like, dude, it's just a hockey game. Like, yeah, relax, man. Just you're just going to play a hockey game and like yeah. you get so wound up like at that age, right? Like 
when you're your teenage end of your teenage years and your twenties, you just get so wound up about everything that gets involved in the game, right? You're drafted by Florida. You're going to Western Michigan. The coaches are doing what they're doing to you. Like it must've been a mental pretzel for you. Right. Junior year for sure. And you know what, early in the freshman year, I mean, um, I had, a, I had a couple big weekends there early as a freshman. And then uh, I battled for seven, eight weeks on the fourth line, Wally. I don't know if you remember that, but uh, came back after Christmas, turned it around. But uh, that was a tough period. And then the junior was a bit of a tough period, but more more great memories than uh, than not a, at that place. That was, a, that was a fun place to play. We just didn't win enough. Yeah, bottom no, line. I, you're right. And we didn't play enough together. And, uh, yeah, we never figured out if, uh, we could have even grooved together and we could have grooved together for four years if it, things would happen. But, uh, um, anyways, anything else you got to say before we shut this down? Because I will lie to you, uh, you were the bar when I got to Western Michigan, like when I got to Western Michigan, you were the fifth round pick of the Florida Panthers. You were the guy. And I was like, you know what? I got to figure out how, how, how to be like that because they're all talking about him. And then like, I was like, I was there and then you left and then you left. And then I was like, Oh my God, I needed that guy so bad. Like, because (laughs) they never played us together. So you'd always be on the other line. And then all of a sudden you were gone. I was like, Oh my God, I miss that guy so bad. (laughs) That junior year you had was incredible. It would have been nice to be a part of that, you know. Um, but I got to watch you a lot from the bench, man. Wow. Hey, I, you know, I will say this, like, in, in, uh, as we're getting to the end here, Wally, I'll, you know, I, when I got the pro, I turned into more of a shooter. Uh, I could still play make, obviously, but I just shot the puck a lot more. And you know where I learned that? I learned that from you for sure in that junior year because you just – you shot the lights out, man. And I took a page right out of your book. And – uh I, you know, I became, uh, you know, you know, I became a bit of a shooter from there because it works, you know? Well, dude, uh, from, yeah, you can pump my tires all you want. That's fine. But like that time of our life, we didn't get paid to play hockey. Right. Right. We didn't actually make money. So it doesn't actually matter. Right. So then we get to professional hockey where you actually get paid. And that's when you surpass me in a drastic fashion for a long time. I may have played more years, but I'm not sure I made more money. <laughs> yeah, but I could have that same discussion with about 500 other guys, uh, you know, the, uh, on the higher end of the spectrum with me as well as, right? You know, that, so, and, there's, and there's guys in the National Hockey League that are going to have that, those same talks with, uh, with the Crosby world and all that. So it's all, uh, all in perspective, buddy. It's all relative, right? Like, and we all yeah. did our journey and you know what, man, I'm just so happy. You got the passion for the game, but like you never lost it. I know that, um, your dedication to the game, your love for the game, you always had it. That's why you're sleeping on couches, watching video. That's why you're as good of a coach as you are. That's why like you're doing what you're doing is because you love the game so much. And you know what? I found my love for the game in a different way. 
and it's not as intensive as yours. So I'm happy too. <laughs> Why well, we want to, I, I want to have the L2 game uh, whenever that is for sure. And uh, I want to see Colby play and we want to have you at the house Wally, for sure. I can't wait, man. It would be awesome to uh, catch up with you guys and get the families together. Um, it, it, it would, it would be, it would be so much fun, man. I, yeah, I can't wait, man. Like, let's do it. As soon as we're in the GTHL. GTA. GTA. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, yeah. I, I think Colby will play some tournaments there at some point. I'm just guessing, but yeah. I'll uh, be there watching hundred percent. Buddy. And then we're coming for the barbecue at your place. And keep up the podcast, man. Hey, I, there's no problem there. I, right. As long as people will keep willing to come on, you know, just like you. All right, man. Wait, let's stay in touch too, Wally. Hey, buddy, this was so awesome. Thank you yeah. so much. I'm going to stop the recording, and now it's pee time. And then we get to have the post-game beer. Post Perfect. Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm. And that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and go bands. I'm like Pizza Towns and I'm not